Afternoon, 306. If you're out on the streets right now, this is today's Real Talk, the show that focuses on all things North Carolina real estate, business, and life. I'm your host, Justin Kazepis, North Carolina real estate attorney, North Carolina real estate broker, investor. Been in the game since uh, 2012, we'll call it. Say 2012, so celebrated a decade last year doing this thing. It's been fun, a lot of ups, a lot of downs. Are you up or down in the market right now? 844-STUDIO-4, 844-788-3464. I was told real estate is up only when I first started. Is that still true? Is that still the way it goes? You let me know. What's the data say? 844-788-3464. What's your current status in the marketplace If you're a real estate broker, you're probably wondering, what is my future right now? Well, if you're a real estate broker staying in the know as far as news, because there was a recent lawsuit. Well, I guess 2019 is when it started. So I don't want to... Is that recent still? Can we say 2019 is recent? Yeah, relatively. But... It's it's coming to... uh, Well, it might not even be the end. That's the other weird part about it. So so a, a... Jury verdict has been issued in a particular situation in real estate. And it's a big deal. It it actually shocks and will shock the entire industry. So whenever you sell a house, have you ever sold a house before? Have you bought a house before? Because it's relevant to you too. It might be more relevant for a buyer than a seller, to be honest with you. That's kind of both. Well, whenever you you sell a property with a real estate broker, you've got to sign what is called the listing agreement. And, and this is what allows the brokerage firm, the actual firm, for example, Remax, Keller Williams, Allen Tate, or any other hyper-local you know, brokerage firm, it gives them the authority to market the property, to sell it, to represent the seller, as part of that process. Well, within that listing agreement, there is a section of the agreement, which is really a contract. Let's be honest. It's a contract that discusses compensation. Now, the National Association of Realtors, that's the big conglomerate group on a national scale. And then there's a state body of Association of Realtors. And then there's also a local. In our listing area, you may have heard me say before, Canopy is the name of the local. And each of those layers have dues, have leadership, have rules, ethics, many different aspects to the organization. Well, out west, particularly, um, I want to say Arizona, off the top of my head, as I'm scrolling for looking for the lawsuit. Um, in Arizona, some, some sellers were tired of a particular section of this contract. So in the listing agreement, you come to the section of compensation. Traditionally, what it says is the seller agrees to pay a fee of blank, most of the time a percentage of the gross sales price to the listing brokerage firm. 
if in the event a ready, willing, and able buyer comes to terms with a ready, willing, and able seller, the seller that signed the agreement. Underneath that particular section in that same document states something to the effect of, and we as the listing firm shall share, fill in the blank, typically a percent of that commission with the buyer's brokerage firm. So let, let's, from the top, if I, I'm visual, so if I'm thinking about it in a picture, like a chart and a line, you've got the seller who is paying the commission to the listing broker, to the listing firm, and that listing firm is sharing some of that commission with the buyer's broker's firm. So here's what the lawsuit stems on. Why should a seller pay their representation who is ultimately going to pay somebody else to represent against that seller? Why is the listing firm sharing the seller's money with somebody who is going to be advocating against the seller? This is a long-standing question in the brokerage community. It's not even new. 2019, it wasn't even a new question. It's been going on for a while. The lawsuit started in 2019. So this has been happening for quite some time. Now, buyer's agency hasn't always existed. Uh, Sub-agency, the different types and ways that representation is done, it's, it's, it's evolved over the years. But now it's coming to pass. And, and the question is, who should compensate the buyer's broker? And it's not to say it's not negotiable. That's something to be very clear about. It's, it's in theory, always been negotiable. That's not the crux of the, the lawsuit, though. The lawsuit argues from the plaintiff side in particular, which is a class action suit made of a bunch of families, technically a group of sellers, who say it's been not a coincidence. In fact, it's been a, a convolution-type infiltration by brokerage firms pressuring brokers, pressuring sellers into this kind of lifestyle and mantra. I'm not saying that's true. I'm just saying that's what the lawsuit is talking about. I have different feelings on it on a personal level. Um, having grown up in real estate with a broker, my dad was a broker my whole life. I've been a broker for 10 years. There are brokers who deserve the, the compensation that they get because they're really good at what they do. It is, it is in fact, a skill to be a good real estate broker. The good ones should be paid, whether a listing or a buyer's agent, either way. Technical term listing or the selling agent, either way. But who should pay the buyer's broker? So now you've got these two sides to the coin, which we're going to dive into the two sides of the coin uh, after this first break. But I got to tell you, it, it's going to shock the system. And, and it's not one of those that you're going to see an instant effect today. Like, I don't, I don't know how much, like, the normal public, like, if you're not, like, into real estate, I don't know how much, like, you would just, like, come across this news. Because I can tell you, if I'm the big players, if I'm the big fish, if I'm the realtor associations, if I'm, if I'm you know, any level in that chain that is interested in being compensated, I'm not talking about that story. I don't want nothing to do with that story. I don't want people to know. I don't want the public to find out that, wait a second, have we been perpetrating a fraud for our whole lives? Wait a second. 
I might not make any money now as a broker. I don't know about that. I got to convince people that my value is there. I don't know about that. I thought this was 3% all day. I was told real estate was up only. That That's what's likely going through the minds of a lot. Not all. The good brokers are like, yeah, I don't care. I've been earning my keep for years. I'm going to keep doing what I do. And I'm going to do it well. There's nothing wrong with that. But ultimately, the question is, is what will be the effect? What's the effect by saying that a seller no longer by default will compensate the buyer's broker in the transaction? And that's what we're going to talk about on the other side of the break. 844-STUDIO-4, 844-788-3464. You're listening to today's Real Talk, the show that focuses on all things North Carolina real estate, business, and life. We'll be back. Today's Real Talk, the show focusing on all things North Carolina real estate, business, and life. I've got to make the editorial correction. I said Arizona as I was scurrying to pull up the the, the, the lawsuit uh, earlier. It's the Sitzer Burnett lawsuit, and it's out of Missouri. Now, it's technically federal court, so the U.S. District Court in Western Missouri if we're going to get specific about these things. And it happened last week, and it was it was a bombshell move. And so let me catch you up to speed. Let me give you the synopsis, and then we'll keep rolling forward. A group of sellers sued a group of brokerages and the National Association of Realtors, claiming that it was fraudulent and calculated the way the trade organizations were trying to coerce sellers to pay for buyer's compensation, the commission, in transactions. The jury came back and found a verdict of guilty against the trade organizations, some very large brokerage firms, including REMAX, including the National Association of Realtors, I believe Keller, yeah, Keller Williams as well. And what they found, the number, here's the number that throws you that, that throws you off. So this is a class action. Five billion dollars in damages. Basically making up of this group of sellers since 2019 that, hey, we're owed money back because y'all gave our money away to somebody else and we shouldn't have been having to do that this whole time. So here's the question, and, and this is what everyone this is where the arguments are going to come into play. You've got one side that says, yes. Now we now we don't have to pay for compensation for the other party. We as the sellers, we get to keep more money. It's our house. It's our money. We're keeping it. And then here's the other side of the equation. Buyers are going to be sitting around like, oh, wait, I got to pay more. I got to pay more to buy a house. Wait, now I got to because the sell like because the seller are they going to lower their price now? No, the sales price is whatever the market bears. The market dictates the price. So the, the seller's not going to lower the price now because the buyer's agent compensation isn't con- included. At least I don't think they will. So the buyer's like, well, wait a second. I got I to gotta pay. I got to actually, actually come up with some extra cash, cash at the table to compensate a broker to represent me. Are they any good? Do they know what they're doing? Can they negotiate? Do they know how to work a contract? Can they get me to the closing table in an efficient manner without me pulling all my hair out? Probably not. Why? 
How do I know that? Well, because there's 100,000 active brokers in the state of North Carolina. How do I pick one? You might, you might as well just draw one out of the hat. You're out of your mind. And, and then here's what the trade organizations say. Buyers will be hindered in the marketplace. This is going to suppress competition and not allow us to fully provide the utmost experience to all in the home buying and selling process. I don't know how I feel about that one. That's the stretch to me. Because I think of it like schools. Like the more schools we can do, the better we can push the competition. So I think it's like, hey, if you're a buyer's broker, you got to earn your keep. Now, how do you have the conversation with a, with a buyer? Hey, you guys got any money? Because if you want me representing you, it's going to cost you something. Like first-time home buyers, FHA, 100% financing. Yeah, I mean, I can see that as an effect. They're not going to have somebody representing them. And here's the other thing. I don't, I don't know necessarily here as the listing firm, is the competition increase on the listing side now? You say, hey, I'm not going to charge you six. I'm only going to charge you three. I mean, sellers are the clear winner in this. It's hard to see it another way. Sellers are the winner. They're going to just keep more money while it's a seller's market. Now, the market is going to shift in one, one way or another. At some point, we will see a buyer's market again. I'm not saying it's going to happen tomorrow. I'm not saying it's going to happen next year or even this decade. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying at some point, the market will shift the other direction. And when it happens, that's when we will see that ancillary effect. And it's also about communication. Because if you're a broker and you have a listing appointment today, what's your conversation with, with a seller? Like, are you are, are all brokers staying up, up mostly informed about this recent you know, lawsuit decision? And the local associations are coming up with different policies. Canopy's got a policy, and they, they changed it a while back, some time back. Basically, that all, all commission's negotiable. That, that's the mantra right now, and that's what we're going to continue to hear. Compensation is negotiable. And that's fine. That's good. It should be negotiated. I think it always should have been negotiated. It did get to a point, and this is me speaking honestly from a brokerage you know, capacity, pre-pandemic. The pandemic shifted some things. Pre-pandemic, it was not a stretch to just walk in, seller assumed, and would say, oh, it's 6%, right? Now, there is no standard commission. It is illegal for a broker to say there is a standard commission. That is illegal. However, the most commonly seen commission, 6% paid by the seller with 50% of that, a total of 3% of the gross sales price being shared with the buyer's brokerage firm. So how, does, how do all the numbers shift in all of this? When you've got, you got you to also factor in the time we're in right now. Here's how, if, if, if you've got a, if you're going to be represented by a buyer's broker, maybe you're a buyer's broker yourself or, or, you know, you're learning about real estate. Here's how I think it shifts. I think we do see a common process emerge. And that is where buyer's brokers will attempt to negotiate their commission, obviously with the buyer's permission, of course, ah, that the seller pay for the buyer's commission likely in the form of seller paid closing cost. So in the current contract, in any contract, you can negotiate, hey, here's the sales price, but hey, seller, you're going to pay, call it $5,000 at closing to cover the buy, some of the buyer's closing costs. 
And one of those fees that will likely be covered by that will be the buyer's brokerage commission. It's my guess. It's my best assessment of the scenario right now. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's a different way to do this. Maybe nothing comes of it. I started thinking about that earlier. I was like, well, wait a second. What if it's a, what if it's a net neutral effect? What if between the seller side and not having to pay and the buyer side not finding any property whatsoever right now, sellers like realize that in this current market, if they don't pay a buyer's broker some level of commission, that they're not going to get any buyers showing their property. Ten years ago, that that was the, the, the conversation. A lot of times at the table, well, you know, we, we share some with the buyer's broker because we want buyer's brokers to bring buyers. We Buyer's brokers are in control of this market of the buyer's. They're the ones dictating, hey, which, which properties are we I know, I know, I know. we got to be fair, and everybody's got to show everything. But come on. What do you think? They're going to show. They're going to go, I got two listings in front of me. One of them is 1% commission, and one of them's three. Which one's the buyer's broker going to show the property or push the property? Let's be honest. So in this effect, the sellers need the buyers. But do they need the buyer's broker? Most people are finding their, their own property online now. It's very different than what it used to be. You know, back in the day, I'm not even too old. I'm not even too young to remember this. The MLS was an actual book. Like it would get mailed out and you would get a book that had all the listings in it. So only the firms had access to that data. And that's where all this has gone sideways. It's all about the access of information. Because you got Redfin, you got these other players that are Compass, you got all these other players that are throughout the country now that understand, well, wait a second, if we, if we treat ourselves like a Zillow, if we, if we want consumers to come and provide us information directly and we can, we can just pay a fee and get it from the MLS and syndicate it to ourselves, well, well, what are we doing being part of this big old conglomerate machine? We don't have to. We can figure this thing out especially if you get into a hyper-local market. I've been saying now for a couple of years, and I'm really just asking the question and trying to get a pulse out there. It's just kind of like an internal mental survey of my own. You know, when you're bored sitting around for coffee chat and you just want a little something to talk about, why not a little real estate? I wonder, do people care about the brokerage firm anymore? So when I started in real estate in 2012, it still was heavily into the, oh, are you with Remax? Are you with Keller Williams? Are you with Alan Tate? Are you, are you with Premier Sotheby's? Who are you with? Ivister Jackson? Who are you with? That, that was the big play back then. Oh, I'm a KW. I'm a KW agent. Oh, I'm, you know who I'm with? Look for the big hot air balloon. That's my squad. But now, I don't think people care. I just don't, I, I don't see the relevance anymore. Training is, it, training's a big deal, but that's an internal like brokerage perspective. Like you could be a top broker and be with any company, but when you're new, you want to find the best fit for you that you're actually going to be able to learn. But with the consumers these days, I just don't know if they care. Some will. You're old schools. Sure. 
But did like the new, like the main, the main people buying right now, and I don't even know what the demo is. Who's the main home buyer right now? Probably like your mid forties, because you're like you're into your career, you're doing well, you're probably pretty well off, you've had some cash saved, you're probably doing pretty good. That's probably who it is. If I had to guess, so that would be what like eighties babies, late seventies, early eighties, somewhere in that range. You're in that forty year olds right now. And do they care? 844-788-3464. Do you care what firm a broker is with if you were buying or selling a property? Does it matter to you? What's important to you? 844-788-3464. When you think about the broker that could represent you when you're buying or selling your property, Drop it. what's most important to you? Today's Real Talk, the show focus on all things North Carolina real estate, business, and life. We're going to take a little break here, but think about it. What matters to you as the consumer? What do you really care about? Trust is number one. Do you trust the logo or what are you looking for? Today's Real Talk, the show focused on all things North Carolina real estate, business, and life. You see, mortgage rates went down like 7 and a half percent now so it was at eight went down to seven and a half i got a fun conversation going with joshua doby host of dollars and cents that airs every thursday from 4 to 5 p.m i've been saying i think 10 percent on mortgage rates i am i losing that bet now that it went down it's okay to go down like for a moment but i i you know the question is is it going to go back up 10%. I don't know. You think we see it? 844-STUDIO-4. 844-788-3464. Are 10% mortgage rates possible? Anything's possible. But will we see it? So it looked like uh, after some treasury bonds, after a jobs report, you know, unemployment creeping up, people losing jobs, creeping up 4%. 10-year treasury kind of floating around. That comes down. So subsequent to that, what happens? Mortgage rates drop. The risk profile is lowered. Is that really what it is? Is the risk profile? I mean, people are losing their jobs. You kind of probably don't want to be lending to them. Employment is a key component of being qualified on to borrow money. Something to think about. I've said it before, and I'll say it till I'm blue in the face or till the cows come home, whichever happens first. Jobs are what matters. Wages and spending. The two components of the economy that matter more than almost anything. Because every dollar that you earn becomes a dollar of spending and a dollar of earning for somebody else. And it's, it's like a circle. Just keeps going around and around and around. And so with rates dropping, are we going to see an uptick in pricing? Think so? What do you think? Think it could go up? Well, let's look. I got the most recent Mecklenburg County market update report here. Residential active listings. There's about 3,900 active listings right now in Mecklenburg County. Residential properties. Let me tell you the average, average active list price. 690000 Land, just under 400 active listings, 900,000. 
man, I just still can't believe, like, like if you would have told me this, you know what I mean, years ago, it just would have been hard to believe that that actually would have been the case, that prices would reach where they re- where they are. But, and again, it really has to do with how well North Carolina is doing as a whole. That's really, really a huge testament because it, it can happen... Every market is different, right? And if you think about what's been happening across the country, you're seeing the shift of population. You're seeing people move. And and look, the population change, the demographics, I mean, the numbers are here. 2010, we had, uh, call it, you know, 919,000, uh, let's call it, Call it that kind of numbers, kind of in the in the local Mecklenburg County marketplace. Now, now we're you know one point one, one point two million. So okay, you're talking about in in you know 10, 10, 12 year span. Call it almost two hundred thousand, hundred two hundred thousand. Is that is that you know normal number in comparison to other growth? I, I just I don't know exactly. You know, and I think, too, the diversity of the sector is more of what it's about, right? It's the high-paying jobs is what you want. You want population increase. You need the population increase. But you also want high-paying jobs coming in because if the prices are going up, you've got to have the compensation that matches those high prices. From this market data, I've got the the highest uh, working industry within the, the local area, particularly Mecklenburg County report I've got, finance. Finance is the number one. Number two... Healthcare, number three, retail, number four, professional. So finance being the number one kind of job sector in the local Mecklenburg County report, the marketplace here. And it's interesting, too, to see the de- the, the kind of spread the, uh, of income because there's, there's like a bell curve, right? And it's very interesting. Kind of the highest percentage of households, 16.5%, earning between $50,000 and $75,000 a year. Well, if, if, if that, that was you know held true, then my gosh, prices should be dramatically lower if you just think about, again, qualifying for a loan. But here's where it gets interesting. So, so the next two highest income brackets are quite different. Both of them at 13%. So the next is 75000 to 100000 That's 13%. The next one that's 13% as well, just a tick lower, just barely. 200000 or more. <coughs> so you got 13% of the population making somewhere around 100000 And then you got 13% of the population making north of 200000 that's pretty. That's a that's a disparagement. That that's a big jump in income. That's more than double, by the way. That's a big jump in income with the same percentages. It's interesting the way this gap works when I'm looking at this kind of chart here. It's bar graph because you go from that fifty thousand to seventy five thousand that has the highest at sixteen percent. Next bracket up seventy five thousand to one hundred thousand thirteen percent. Well, the brackets between that and the two hundred plus are all lower. But so, man, you, you've got a definite um, disparagement there on just how much people are making. I mean, my gosh. And then you continue to look at the cost of living 
expenses, you've also got to compare that, right? Because people are moving to North Carolina because of the cost of living, the quality of life. You sell a property up north for called $800,000 cash, or you have no debt, or you have minimal debt, you move down here, you could buy something for, I don't know, back then, pre-COVID? Shoot, if you had mid-threes, you got a banger of a property. You got a nice property for mid-threes. Remember the Hamptons? You can live in the Hamptons for mid-threes. Northstone, take your pick of the litter. Mooresville, even plenty of neighborhoods in Mooresville. Trout, trout, you don't have a Troutman for $300,000 back in the day. Statesville, you could buy a real nice property in Statesville back in the day. But nowadays, $300,000, that's, that's, your, that's your starter home now. But you got to look at cost of living expenses as well. Education is higher. Apparel is higher. Overall, we're higher than the national average, it says. Entertainment, though, surprisingly, is below the national average. So for our particular area, Mecklenburg County says cost of cost of living expenses for entertainment compared to the compared to the national cost, 93% of the national cost. So a little lower. Healthcare also a little lower. I think it helps that we have some substantial healthcare hubs here. I'll be honest with you though, it doesn't feel like healthcare is less expensive here. It's definitely more expensive than it has been, and you're getting less than you were previously. But at least it's better than the national average. Is that the silver lining I should be looking at it like? 89% of the, of the national average. Food is pretty much right in line with the national average. That's the one that shocks me the most. If everybody in the entire country is feeling this food this way, I got two kids though. If everybody's feeling this with the food and going to the grocery, I cringe when we go to the grocery now. Especially if you got to buy personal products. I might stop you know, using soap, shampoo. Do we really need it anymore? It's radio. Who cares? My wife might get mad at that. I don't know. I might convince her. Maybe, let's see if she notices. I'm going to try something else. It is no shave November. So maybe like in that moment, I just, I can save on shaving cream. But I buy the cheap stuff. What is it? Barbos? What's the really cheap old school can? It's like a dollar a can. So it's like, that's not even like the cost savings for me. I like fruit, like fresh fruit. That ain't that ain't cheap. You got to look out for that. Housing's up. It says housing's higher than the national average. I believe that. I mean, just the cost of dollars. I guess it's relative, though, right? Because if you're if you're thinking about again, still, you go to New York. I mean, your your cost is way higher. So, those are these are a lot of the factors. Right on par. Transportation, utilities, right on par. Overall, we're pretty close to par. Education was the big one, 121% of the national average. About 20% higher than the national average for education. I'd be curious to see what that's made up as, given that uh, public schools... Well, we got the bond referendums. If you have not registered to vote, tomorrow is election day for many of the local municipalities. You better get out and vote. If you have ever, ever ever made a post online on social media bashing leadership and you choose not to vote tomorrow, I will call you a hypocrite. And I'm doing it right now. Hypocrite. Vote. Your voice matters. You want change? This is how you do it. You make your voice heard at the polls, people. That's what you do. You go down to wherever it is you're supposed to vote 
and you make your voice heard. Don't let them take that from you. Don't do that. 844-788-3464. Who's off their rocker today? Probably me. Today's Real Talk, focusing on North Carolina real estate, business, and life. Today's Real Talk, the show focusing on North Carolina real estate, business, and life. I am your host, your liaison, Justin Kazepis, real estate broker, attorney, investor, taking a look at some market data. $690,000, the average active list price in Mecklenburg County. Whoo! Man, hindsight is always 2020. I'd go back, if I could go back in time. I don't know, would you buy like the IBM stock or Apple stock? IBM might be a bad example. Don't quote me on that. Apple stock, or would you buy like real estate? What do you think you'd, you'd if you could go back in time and buy it, which, which would you do? Stock's pretty passive. You just buy it and then you wait. Real estate, you got to pay the taxes on it. You know, if you got like unruly neighbors, it's a lot more work. I wonder which one gets you kind of that higher percentage, you know, value up. There's more than just Mecklenburg County. So that report was Mecklenburg County at the 690,000 level. So Iredell County. Average active list price in Iredell County right now. Looking at about 1,100 active residential listings. 570,000. Iredell County, 570,000. The interesting thing part is the inverse on the land. So the land listings in Mecklenburg County, the average active list price, 900,000 in Mecklenburg County. So that's higher than the residential property prices. In Iredell County, it's actually the opposite. I find that interesting. Residential properties, again, $570,000 as the average price. Land, $427,000. So what does that tell you for the market and the forward thinkingness of it? Because the, the growth is expanding, right? The growth starts in the major metros and it pushes out. A very relative part of that conversation is transportation. We all know about that right now. But so if land is less expensive, that's where the developers are going to go. So long as there is an economic forecast and a plan in place to see that growth fold into the envelope of the other robust areas. Some people move like far away because they want to be a far away. But in an active real estate market, investors are looking for what's the next thing. Iredell County is showing itself to be that next thing. Not that it's not already. You go to Mooresville right now, Mooresville's blowing up. But Iredell County is, is a, a large footprint. There's a lot of activity taking place in Troutman right now. There's a lot of activity taking place in Statesville. And everywhere in between, even the north side of Mooresville, right? It's continuous. So it's really happening across the board in a lot of different ways. And it's something we got to keep, keep an eye out on. And then I, I love talking about the west side of the lake, too, because I, I am of the belief. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. You want to you wanna get in, into a market that is just going to explode over the next 10 years? Lincoln County is where you want to be at. There's no land left in Cornelius. There's land in Huntersville, but we'll see how the election goes. You go to the west side of the lake, you go to Lincoln County, you need to go to Denver. So the average price, remember that, keep it in mind, keep in mind, it's about 700000 in Mecklenburg County. Lincoln County average active list price, 500000 
land 440,000. So again, similar to Iro County where the land is a little bit less. That's a good sign. That's a good sign with the growing numbers. But you're st- it's going to be one of your better price points. Catawba would be that next one. I'm not saying Catawba is not going to also flourish. It is because the lake is a major commodity. I just think because of the infrastructure, because of the commercial development, right? Catawba is going to take a little bit longer. But here's how I know Catawba will succeed. About a mile off the exit of Highway 16, New Highway 16 and Highway 150, just about a mile east along 150, beautiful public shopping center. And Publix doesn't play games. Publix does the market research, and when they come into a place, they they are there for the future. And when they see it and the dollars they spend on market research, they're forward thinking. And so if Publix is there, it's a, it's a pretty good bet. It's not a bad bet. And we got to look at some of the demographics too, right? Look at the population jumps uh, going on going on throughout each of the other counties. So Lincoln County, hot from 76,000 to 90,000 in the past 10 years. The population change. It's, it's upward. Manufacturing, major part of Lincoln County's job sectors. Second, retail. Third, healthcare. Catawba is another one I'm going to look at too. Did you know Catawba has an Apple like data headquarters over there? Like there's like a data center for Apple in Catawba County. It's like a little, little known secret. I wonder what they're doing in that building. Do they have to, like it's probably under like lock and key? But I don't recall driving like toward Newton or anything and seeing you know like the Apple signal, the Apple sign up on a building. Do they not do it? Maybe maybe they don't you know market. Maybe they don't say it's going to be, you know, a thing. So here's the thing. Here's, okay, so this is interesting. Looking at, oh, this is Cabarrus County. Cabarrus County is interesting. 450000 active list price for residential. Land, 600000 So look, the, the these markets where land is costing more than existing inventory. It means that it, we might already, I'm not going to call it the top. It's just a lot tighter to make money from the investment perspective in real estate. Not saying it's not a great place to live, raise a family, live life. It's not what I'm talking about. But if I'm looking at it from a pure numbers perspective, these markets where land costs have already exceeded the cost of existing inventory, it's much, 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 much tighter of a marketplace to do anything in. So really what I want to look at here as I'm pulling it up is Catawba's report. Because if I think about Apple... And I think about there's a lot of raw land in Catawba County. And here we go. Here, let's see what the, the data matches what I was thinking. The average active residential price for real estate in Catawba County, 450000 The average land, active land price in Catawba County, 330000 So below. So it shows you these markets where the land cost is less than the existing inventory Still a good time. I think there's probably more deals to be had in those particular types of marketplaces because you've got enough people or a low enough amount of people still there with the growth on the rise. You still got to look at the other metrics and make sure, hey, like, is this thing on the downswing? Is it on the upswing? I mean, (laughs) again, you're looking at pricing. It's hard to see it, but up only if you're going any metric within the past three to four years. It's pretty much up only. And I... 
I said it before, I'll say it again. Short of a major incident occurring with jobs, I just don't see it stopping. Even with interest rates dropping. Interest rates drop a half percent in the mortgage world, you would think the place would be going gangbusters. There's just not a lot of inventory. The supply is still so low and the demand is so real. That's how you know if demand is real is if the prices come down whenever these major economic changes. When was the last time you heard of a, they, they, they call it what, a price improvement. That's what they say. That's what the marketing experts at the brokerage firms call it when they reduce the price. They call it a price improvement has incurred today and our seller has decided to be gracious to your buyers by allowing them the opportunity to come into this home at a little bit more cost-effective price. But don't worry, it won't last long. Take your opportunity today. That's the marketing pitch, AKA, it ain't selling, seller says get it sold, we dropping the price this weekend like it's a used auto lot. That's what they do. It's good marketing though. So what's the summation of all of this? We talked about interest rates being lower a little bit. We talked about a lawsuit, a major, the biggest lawsuit in probably the history of, of the Realtor Association in, I don't know how long. The problem is you got, the, here's where the big rub is for the Realtor Association. They, they, got, they got double tapped. They, they got double tapped to the back of the head because there's also the whole situation, you know, Bob Goldberg is retiring. He's the National Association of Realtors CEO. You got the sex scandal stuff going on. You got all kinds of implications at the National Association of Realtors. I mean, you talk about double tap to the back of the head. It's like they're playing Goldeneye on N64 right now. That's like what they're doing. And so you got a lot of people batting cleanup right now. Comes at a time, though, where we were seeing the brokerage market compress. Because it started going up and up and up and up and up during COVID because real estate became really popular as a sector to work in. Oh, my gosh. Look how much money there's to be made in real estate. Look at all this is going on. It's going on. Oh, my gosh. And you got all these people starting to get their license and become brokers, become investors. But here's the thing that they didn't think about when they got started. The broker process. I mean, you got to take a course. You got to take a test. You got to have background check. You got to get affiliated with a firm. You got to pay fees. I mean, you're talking about like, let's say six months, just say on average six months for a broker from the time they say, okay, I want to get a broke, be a broker to being licensed. Let's say six months. Well, six months is what? That would have been 20% of the time frame right through COVID. You figure 2020 through whatever, 20 mid 2023, end of 2022, so with that short of a time frame, you spent 25% just getting your license. And then you got into the marketplace. And then you started buying. And I don't want to call it the top because price, price can go up. But if you got short-term commercial debt on property, that's where people get caught at the top this round. Short-term commercial debt is what gets caught at the top. We got a lot of apartment complexes going vertical. We got a lot of commercial properties going vertical. You're seeing a lot of dirt moving around out there. The debt structure, the debt cycle, the capital cycle on commercial properties, very different than residential. It's not a 30-year fixed loan when you see in these dirt, these big tractors moving around out there. You're talking 12, 16, 18-month loans at both at best, maybe a five-year. For the most part, 
Some people are trying to change that game. That's the story for another day, though. You've been listening to today's Real Talk, the show focused on North Carolina real estate, business, and life. Local Biz Now, up next. It's going to talk to some local businesses. I like that. WSICnews.com. The new 105.9, 100.7 WSIC, Statesville, Mooresville, North Charlotte.